Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. So starting with verse 35, it says, the next day John was back at his post with two disciples who were watching. He looked up, saw Jesus walking nearby and said, here he is, God's Passover lamb. The two disciples heard him and went after Jesus. Jesus looked over his shoulder and said to them, what are you after? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He replied, come along and see for yourself. They came, saw where he was living and ended up staying with him for the day. It was late afternoon when this happened. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother Simon telling him, we found the Messiah, that is Christ. He immediately led him to Jesus. Jesus took one look up and said, you're John's son, Simon. From now on, your name is Cephas or Peter, which means rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. When he got there, he went, ran across Philip and said, come, follow me. Philip's hometown was Bethsaida, the same as Andrew and Peter. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote of in the law, the one preached by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth, Nathanael said. Nazareth, you've got to be kidding. But Philip said, come, see for yourself. When Jesus saw him coming, he said, there's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. Nathaniel said, where did you get that idea? You don't know me. I can you imagine saying that, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Jesus answered, one day, long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus said, You've become a believer simply because, I say, I saw you one day sitting under the fig tree. You haven't seen anything yet. Before this is over, you're going to see heaven open and God's angels descending to the Son of Man and ascending again. Now turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the fifth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 11. Luke 5 verses three through 11. And I'm gonna share this out of the Amplified. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about what the whole concept of follow really means. So starting with verse three, it says, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little distance from the shore. And he sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. And when he was finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. Now I'm going to pause here. Something that's very key in this, and I think it's why it's explained this way, and we can learn from this, is that 
Sometimes you may be in the midst of something where you can relate to being tired. You may be in a battle that is sapping every ounce of the energy that your physical flesh can endure. And then the Holy Spirit, who we know is the operative here in this earth realm to help us, will instruct you to do something and you're like, you have really lost it. Are you kidding me? I am exhausted, I am tired, I have tried this, that, and the other thing. But here's the key of what we can learn. Be obedient to that. Whether you can see it or not, it's not about you. It's about you listening to what God is trying to have manifest in your life on your behalf. He's always going to do something for the good for you. He's never going to do anything bad. We already have an enemy that does that. So the point is, he did that. And look at what happened, picking up at verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats with fish, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all his companions were completely astounded at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. Jesus said to Simon, have no fear. From now on, you will be catching men. After they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. Again, when you walk through a challenge in life, and you overcome and receive the victory, it becomes what? An experiential building block for you to look back on. So that when the next challenge comes, when you think about it, that is how you really are doing what? Your faith is growing because, oh, he helped me with this and I got over, so this, oh, come on. He helped me with that, I'm gonna get over. And you, it continues, which is why we have ever-increasing faith. It continues to increase. It continues to grow. And that's exactly what happened here. Now they're running to go and be his disciples. They want to because they can see, ooh, there's something about this man named Jesus. They were able to see it. Now, when it comes to the concept of following, what it really means in scripture, there are three separate possibilities. And I gave them to you before. I don't know if you remember them, so I'm going to say them again. The first means that you're walking with him, meaning Jesus literally. And it's just merely being in his presence, regardless of your personal belief or commitment. You just literally are following him, you know, like follow the leader. You know, you just kind of like follow along, whether you believe in him or not. The second um, concept is that you are accepting and identifying with the salvation he offered. Okay, that's something altogether different because that now is doing what? That's starting to enter into your belief system. And third, it's being identified with him by being subject to the scorn and rejection of unbelievers because of personal belief and commitment to him. Now you may know a little bit about that because sometimes you may be on a job where you know you have professed to be a Christian and people really put you through some persecution as a result of that. So those are three things that really go with the concept of follow. And it's important to know that because again, like I had shared with you before, we tend to just use words all the time and just kind of lump them all in the same thing, in the same category. And that's not what we want to do, especially if you're studying. You want to really pay attention to every little detail. Okay, now you're already in Luke. Just turn right on over to the sixth chapter. 
and we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. And you're going to remember this because we had done this a little bit earlier. I'm going to share it with you out of the Amplified. This is Luke 6, verses 12 through 16. And this is when Jesus was actually choosing the 12 ordinary men. And, well, I'll just read it because it's quicker. Uh, starting with verse 12, it says, Now at this time, Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Now I'm going to pause there. Again, this is Jesus. Yes, he was the son of man when he was on earth is true. But he still took how much time to pray about something. It wasn't a quick five, ten minutes, let me hurry up and get this on my coffee break and, you know, I got, I got things to do. No, he spent earnest time praying about the situation. Sometimes we're too quick. Okay, and we need to just sit and spend time with our Heavenly Father. Because when you do that, he can then be able to instruct you. Because, you know, think about this. He is all-powerful. He is God. You are not. He has to graciously give you answers to things sometimes. He can't give it to you all at one time because you quite naturally can't handle it. Or he, being the loving father that he is, doesn't want to break your spirit, okay? Example, because I always try to use myself because I can always talk about me and talk bad. <laughs> um, when I was pregnant with my fourth child, I believed God that I was having twins. I was a baby Christian and I did everything backwards. In other words, I, was, I had already gone to the doctor, found out I was having a baby, and I remember getting on my knees in the living room praying that I had twins. Now, that is the most ridiculous thing that is pulling the cart way backwards. But I was a baby Christian. I was still thinking, well, you just ask God for anything. You know, he can just do it. Well, he had already blessed me with the child. He wasn't going to start cutting it up into pieces because this is what I thought. But I didn't know that. The problem was, or the challenge, was that I did everything believing I was having twins. Meaning I went out and we purchased double everything because I was having twins. Went around, told the whole world, we are having twins. And I learned a lot through this lesson because <laughs> when you are growing through something, keep your mouth closed until the manifestation of things, then you can share it. But I didn't know, I was a baby Christian. So I just went around telling everybody, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't, what made it interesting was my son, when he was born, was 10 pounds, 5 and a half ounces. So it kind of looked like I was having twins. So I really believed I was having twins. I didn't, obviously. I had one child. And I remember sitting in the hospital just crying. I was happy that I had a child. I mean, I was happy for the baby. But I kept thinking, you are going to look like a bumbling idiot. You have told everybody that you're having twins and you now just have this one child. You, you're going to look bad. You're going to make God look bad. I mean, I just, I was so oh, hurt because I thought I was just messing up the kingdom again. I was a baby Christian. I mean, really? <laughs> you stop to think about it. Nobody really cared about that. But in my mind, because again, the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, like we talked about in that other series that we did, the enemy puts those kinds of thoughts in your mind to make you feel as if you have just totally just created World War III with your actions. And what I had to really learn was, of course, what I did was not correct. And I just, the thing that was so beautiful, though, 
was God didn't show me that right away. Like he could have come when I was sitting there crying in the hospital room and talking to him, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. He could have said, you are really, you missed it. You know, you were silly. I had already blessed you. He could have just done that like some people would do to you. He did not. My son was six months old before I was sitting there playing with him and then the Lord so quietly in his still small voice said, now, how could I take this beautiful child that I blessed you with and turn him into two, which is what you really were asking of me? It's not that I didn't hear your prayer or that I ignored it, but I could not do what you asked me to do because I had already blessed you with him. He did it in such a loving manner that I could learn from it. I understood it. And I have not fall back into that exact trap again. But that is how loving and sweet and wonderful our Heavenly Father really is to us. But again, you have to spend some time, take some time, and understand that he is all loving. And he's never going to pounce on you like, you know, sometimes people have a tendency to do. So... This is what Jesus did. He went and he spent this time. And when the day came, he called his disciples and selected 12 of them. And we went through who all, you know, their names. I'm not going to go through all that now. Um, and we know that he also did end up naming them apostles, meaning that they were going to be special messengers, personally chosen representatives. That's exactly what happened during that time period. Now, all of that brings us up to the first phase of these 12 ordinary men. And that first phase is known as their calling. It was a calling to what? It was a calling to conversion. This illustrates how we as disciples and every disciple is called first to what? To salvation. Think about it. We have to recognize Jesus as the true Lamb of God and embrace him by faith. I mean, we have to do that. This initial phase of the 12's call did not involve full-time discipleship. That's something that people think. They just automatically think that they said, okay, we're going to follow you, Jesus, and just left everything, left their families, left their businesses, and then just went on and just started following Jesus. That's not what happened at all. They first made that conversion. That was the first phase. But then when we really spend some time and we read the Gospels, the Gospels su suggest that although they followed Jesus, in the sense, excuse me, that they listened to his teaching and submitted to him as their teacher, they still remained on their full-time jobs. I mean, you know, they were very similar to many of us. We gotta have to, you know, we tend to go to work, not because we just don't have anything else to do, but we really wanna go so that we can kinda get paid, so that we can kinda pay our bills and do other things. Well, this is what they also had to do. They continued to earn a living through regular employment. Now this explains why from this point until Jesus called them to full-time ministry, we see them fishing and mending their nets, which is also why you will see some 
uh, pastors, even if I'm not mistaken, even the apostle, when he first started out in ministry, he also kind of like worked a job. It's not always that you just say, okay, I'm called to the ministry. I'm just going to go sit home in my house and study the word. And, you know, I guess man is supposed to come out of heaven. It doesn't say that anywhere. Okay, so sometimes people, when they're starting churches or whatever God has called them to do, they also still have to work because man doesn't work, man doesn't eat. So, you know, so again, this is what these 12 ordinary men were doing. Now, the next phase of their calling was a call to ministry as described in Luke 5. As we read, this was when Jesus pushed out from the shore to escape the press of the multitudes and taught from Peter's boat. We just read that. And after teaching, he told Peter to head toward the deep water and let down his nets. Now that's important because you wouldn't think as a fisherman would think that you would want to go to deep water and you definitely wouldn't want to go to deep water at the end of the day when he was suggesting that they do that. But Peter, again, like I said, he did as he was instructed. That's one thing that's wonderful. He was obedient. Um, and obviously it worked out great for him. But he also had those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions going on in his mind because he knew that fish were easier to catch at night when the water was cooler and the fish surfaced to feed. And now you're asking me to do everything opposite of what I know is the right thing to do. But he, and he also knew that fish normally fed in water that was shallow. Because think about that. Even if you logically, you don't have to be a fisherman. Obviously, if it's shallow water, you can see the fish, you know, so it just makes common sense that it will be easier for you to put something out there and they grab it and you catch them. Deep water? Are you kidding me? What, you really going to see them? No. Okay, so, but the key here, and that's what I know we're supposed to learn from it, is that Peter chose to do what? Be obedient. And we have to do that. Even if we were like he was, exhausted and tired, we might have had a horrific day at work or something where the enemy was challenging us and we just come home, we don't want to do anything, you still have to take that time. You still have to listen. You still have to be obedient. And that's how you walk into the victory that God intends for you all the time. Turn with me to Matthew. And we're going to look at chapter... 14, no, chapter 14, listen to me, chapter 4, verse 19, Matthew 4. And we're going to look at verse 19. And if we look at it in the Amplified, it says, And he said to them, Follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher, and walking the same path of life that I walk, and I will make you fishers of men. This is why I like the Amplified. Because we all look at it like, okay, he says, follow me. And even as believers, we look at it like, okay, I'm following Jesus. I'm following him. But are you following him with these qualifiers? Are you following him, accepting him as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that he walked? If you're not doing that, then come on. You're not doing what it is that he is really requiring or asking. If you look at it in the easy to read version, it says, Jesus said to them, come follow me, and I will make you a different kind of fisherman. You will bring in people, not fish. That's something that all of us can relate to. We want to be different kind of fishermen. We don't want to be 
coming to every single service and at the end of the altar call, there is no one because we haven't bothered to bring anybody in. Okay? That's, we need to be bringing people in because again, I'm not trying to tell you, you have to go out and minister all this and you gotta have to know 500 scriptures. No, you just need to invite them in. If you are loving and you invite them, that's our job, okay? That's why we do the services. That's why we have an altar call. But this is the one thing, you know, because I know you hear me and I know you're saying, yeah, and I know as soon as you get out in the street, those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions come because that's the enemy's job to keep you from inviting someone. But listen to this. Somebody, somewhere, shared the good news of Jesus with you. So how dare you not reciprocate and do the same? You've got to at least invite them so they have the opportunity. Because you li we live in a city with millions of people, and millions of them are dying and going straight to hell, and we're just walking on by as if they don't even exist. Something to think about. It's definitely something to think about. Now, in the Message Bible, if we look at verses 19 and 20, it says, walking along the beach of Lake Galilee. How oh, that sounds so nice, Lake Galilee. <laughs> the beach of Lake Galilee. Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make you a new kind of fisherman. I will make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets, and they did what? They followed. And that's exactly what it is that we're supposed to do. Okay, turn with me. You're already, okay, you're right in the gospel. So just go to Luke 5. And we're going to look at verse 11. Luke 5, verse 11. And they had brought their boats to land. They left everything and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him, and following his example. And the easy to read says, the men brought their boats to the shore. They left everything and followed Jesus. And the message it says, Jesus said to Simon, there is nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats up on the beach, left, their, left them, nets and all, and followed him. Now, it's something, and the reason why we're spending all this much time that they just followed him is because think of yourself. Again, I want to do everything in juxtaposition to where we are right now, okay? Meaning, we sit up and we say, okay, we love the Lord, we're, you know, we want to follow Jesus, but are we really leaving everything and doing that? Or are we doing it conditionally? You know, it's like, yes, I follow him, I'm here. It's Thursday night, and it's true, you are here. And you could have done something else with your time. That is true. But what happens if you wake up Friday, you know, and then somebody says, well, you know, you, you, you plan on feeling like, okay, well, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. I'm going to just take a half an hour. I'm going to have a cup of tea, and I'm just going to sit and listen to what he has to say. But then somebody calls you on the phone and says, you know what, we need to go, the new movie is out, why don't we just go do that? And then you're like, okay, well what time is the movie? And then they tell you and the next thing you know, you're getting ready to go to the movie. So that means the half an hour that you were gonna spend, you totally you kind of forgot about that because you gotta go to the movies or you gotta go Christmas shopping or you have to do a myriad of other things. There's always gonna be something to pull you away. That's the enemy's job, he never stops but we have authority over all of his ability, and we need to exercise that authority. 
So, something to think about. <laughs> uh, so you're already in Luke, go back over to Matthew. See, I'm gonna have you spend some time in the Gospels, why not? So go to Matthew 4, and we're gonna look at verse 20. And this is just another account. I'm not even gonna spend a lot of time on this. If you look at it, um, and the Amplified, it pretty much says the same thing. It says almost the same thing in the easy to read. Um, actually, it kind of says the same thing in the message, so I'm not even gonna read that. Here's the one I want you to see. Just drop down to the 22nd verse, Matthew 4, verse 22. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him, and following his example. This is important because now this has added something different because a lot of these men were in business with their fathers. It's like a generational thing, like their fathers were fishermen, they became fishermen. So now they're leaving something that's tying them even more to that profession because they're leaving their fathers there but they're doing all of this to follow Jesus. It's not that easy sometimes to do. Just like one of the things that I appreciate so much about uh, my daughter-in-law is she grew up Muslim. And when she decided to accept Jesus, and this was before she met my son, but when she decided to accept Jesus, her parents disowned her and literally threw her out. But she chose Jesus instead. And she, you know, worked and, you know, things were a little meager, but she chose Jesus because that meant more to her. And for me, I was blessed because she was who I prayed for, for my son, because I wanted him to find someone whose heart was so hidden in God that he would have to seek him first to find her. So it just worked out wonderfully. But the point is, that's how I look at these men. They, they had a choice to make, and it wasn't so easy. It wasn't like they were, you know, just walking away from nothing. They were walking away from family as well, and they chose to do it. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. So turn with me now to, you're in Matthew, just go right on over to the 10th chapter. And... This is important, what he did here. So that's why we're gonna spend a little minute here. Uh, Matthew 10, and if we look at verses one through four, we're just gonna look at it out of the easy to read. And verse one says, Jesus called his 12 followers together. He gave them power over evil spirits and power to heal every kind of disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. And then he names all 12 of them. Simon, also called Peter, Andrew, the brother of Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, John, the brother of James, Philip, Bartholomew, which we know is also Nathaniel, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who handed Jesus over to his enemies. Now turn to Luke's Gospel, the sixth chapter, and we're gonna look at verses 12 through 16, and I'm gonna share it with you out of the easy to read. It's Luke's Gospel, chapter six, verses 12 through 16. And verse 12 says, a few days later, Jesus went out to a mountain to pray. He stayed there all night praying to God. The next morning, he called his followers. He chose 12 of them and called them apostles. 
And then, of course, it gives us the names of all of those that he chose. Now, all of these verses of scripture describe for us the third phase of the Twelve's calling. This was their calling to apostleship. It was at this point that Jesus prayed, selected, and appointed these 12 ordinary men as his apostles. Their apostleship was likened to an internship because Jesus utilized them as he explained to us in turn to Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter, and we're gonna look at verses seven and nine. Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter, starting with verse seven, out of the Amplified says, and he called the 12 disciples and began to send them out as his special messengers, two by two, and gave them authority and power over the unclean spirits. He told them to take nothing for the journey except a mere walking stick, no bread, no traveler's bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals. And he told them not to wear two tunics. Now, what's significant about not wearing two tunics is because back in that time, it was very common for travelers to wear two tunics, which could be switched. You know, it was sort of like, uh, you know, I'm wearing blue all week, I might want to switch over to green or something. And, you know, you take off one and you have the other one. Well, now Jesus is telling them, I want you to go out and you're not taking anything. Think about that. I want you to leave and I want you to go out. I'm going to send two of you together. I don't want you to take your Metro card. I don't want you to take your license. I don't want you to take any food. Just go out and I'm going to send you over to Jersey, okay? And you're just going to go because this is what I have instructed you to do. Yeah, right. Everybody's like, yeah, right. Okay, but this is what he asked them to do. And they did it. Um, <laughs> so you're starting to see where these ordinary men were really becoming extraordinary. If we look at these same verses of scripture in the Message Bible, it says, Jesus called the 12 to him and sent them out in pairs. He gave them authority and power to deal with the evil opposition. He sent them off with these instructions. Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. You are the equipment. No special appeals for funds. Keep it simple. I think that was really, really nice. I like that. Now we have to imagine that these men, just like I said, we wouldn't have been so comfortable if that's what he said, were not completely comfortable with the task at hand. And Jesus knew this. That's why he sent them out in pairs so that they could provide moral support one to the other, which is why it's wonderful if you have someone, and this doesn't happen that often. Well, maybe it does. I, I'm a different type of person, but whatever. When you can have a prayer partner, somebody who can hold you accountable, and someone who you know can encourage you, that's a wonderful thing. That's also sometimes rare, and you have to be very careful with that because, you know, everybody that you may want to have pray for you and with you may not be like these 12 ordinary men, and they may get on the phone after they get off the phone with you and go tell everybody your business and everything else. So you have to be very careful. I, I, I sincerely mean that. You've got to be very careful who you share things with. But it is wonderful when you find that person that you can do that and that you know, like you know your name, that they are keeping your confidence, 
and that they are, in fact, praying for you and with you and getting into agreement with you and the word. That's a wonderful thing. But you gotta be selective. Don't just, don't be like I was as a baby Christian, just go tell everybody. Don't do that. Be very, very careful with what you're doing. Um, so you may ask, why am I spending so much time exploring the different phases of their calling? That's a good question, but there's a reason. We learn from Minister Scott that there are different callings. Yes, for instance, when God calls a person, as he did with Apostle Price, he, meaning God, is responsible for the call or the vision that he gave the person, okay? So if God has called you to something, he is responsible for nurturing that vision and providing everything for you because he called you to do it, okay? You could agree with that? Okay. In this instance, it is God who will provide everything that you need, all of your provision, all of your support, everything. He's going to do it. Now, if a particular church calls you to be their pastor, then it is their responsibility, it is the responsibility of that church to provide the pastor with whatever support the pastor needs because the church has called him. If you call yourself, okay, because this happens too now, if you call yourself to the ministry, then you are responsible for your own support. We can learn a lot from this. It sounds simple, like, okay, God called you, the church called you, I called myself. <laughs> it is best to be called by God. No question in that. Think about it, and I want you to think about it. I really want you to get this. <sighs> A church can have the best of intention, the best of intention, but they could still miss something, okay? I mean, it can happen. You calling yourself to ministry or any other position for that matter is, analog is analogous to self-appointment when you really think about it, which can be risky. Here's why. Don't you think that if God wanted you to do something, he could call you to do it. He doesn't need to rely on you to call yourself. He's God, okay? So he doesn't need you to do it. So when you do something like that, it's risky and you're kind of stepping out, you know, in, underneath the umbrella of his protection to me. You gotta be really careful with that. People do it and sometimes they do it and miss it and then they can kind of correct it, praise the Lord, and, and right the situation. But some people do it, it becomes a habit where they just kind of like do it over and over and over again. So just learn from them experientially and make sure you don't fall into that and do it. Now all of this is important because each of us, whether we recognize it, whether we realize it or not, you were called into this earth realm for a purpose and for a reason. And again, from the time we're little children, they don't teach this in school. There is nothing that teaches us about a calling. I'll give you a real easy thing that I think you can relate to. A female who is pregnant with child will bring forth life, all things being equal. That does not make her a mother. You are called to that office. 
There are some people who are mothers, it looks like in spades, like, oh my goodness, how in the world? They just love this, they just thrive on it, they just, and then other people don't. But you know what, that's okay. It doesn't make the female a bad person. That's just not her calling. Um, remember I was telling you how I was believing for these twins? I really was, seriously. And God helped me out again. Because when my son was about hmm, probably a year and a half, because I really do love children. That is something that I, <laughs> I, there are a lot of things I like, but I really love children. And I spent a lot of time before this ministry happened in New York. I used to go to another church in Nanuet where I worked the nursery. You know how it's hard to get people to work the nursery? I worked the nursery all the time. I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing. Well, they brought in two little boys, Keith and Kevin, and they were twins. And as soon as they came in, they knew to give them to me. God helped me again to know that I, as much as I think children are great, I am not called to be the mother, even the grandmother of twins, <laughs> okay? Because the thing is, you get one quiet, and the other one who you thought was fine, all of a sudden starts crying and then wakes up the other, I was like, at the end of that, I just sat there, I said, thank you, Father. Thank you that I only have one at a time. That is enough. Now, I might be able to deal with 12 of them individually, but one at a time. Together? So people who have multiple children at a time, you know, I can't even imagine, triplets or whatever, there's a calling for that. I mean, there really is. It's not my calling. So all I'm saying is we have to learn what we're called to do. Okay, you know, I mean, you sit up and you listen to our praise team. They can sing. They are called to do that. I would never do that to you all, to make it sound like I could sing and get up here. I just would not. I know that's not what I do. So all I'm saying is spend some time with the Lord and figure out or just let him tell you. He'll tell you he's really, really clear because the point is all of us are called to something. That is a definite and it is really, really important. Um, and here's the other thing. Sometimes people, Christians especially, that go to word churches like we do, they have a tendency to feel like, well, if you're not in the five-fold ministry, I wasn't called. Because you kind of just think of calling and five-fold ministry all as the same thing. So it's like, if I'm somebody who's called to um, come in and help out in the office, or if I'm someone who comes in and I help um, distribute flyers, that's not a calling. That's not true. You can find, because God will show you what it is that you are supposed to do. Um, I just went last Sunday to uh, another uh, celebration of life for Stan's aunt. She was like our favorite aunt. And I found out so much about her, and one of the things that I found out was one of the ministries that she had, and she took it on like about no one else that you could imagine, was she sent greeting cards to people all throughout this country and internationally. Every single birthday, that if you let her know that the baby was born, she marked it down, and until the child was 21 years of age, she sent them the cash for however old they were. But it cut off at 21. They still got the card, but they didn't keep getting the cash after 21. She did the same thing for every holiday, Thanksgiving. Every single holiday, she sent you a card 
that was a form of ministry for her. The point is, that's not the five-fold ministry, but yet and still, it was a ministry just the same. There are so many different things that you can do, okay? I mean, we just need to really spend some time and allow the Lord to show us what it is because we all have a purpose. None of us are accidents. Nobody got here by accident. I don't care who your parents are. There was a reason for you to be here. And unfortunately, we spent a lot of time in school when we were youngsters. And no, nobody ever told us about that. Nobody ever explained anything about it. So we just kind of like let it go. The good thing about studying the phases of calling regarding these 12 ordinary men is that we can see that they did not become apostles overnight. Okay, that didn't happen. They fulfilled their purpose, however, but it occurred in stages, just like it may be for you and me. Now, I can, again, I'm gonna try to do this really quick, because I try to use myself all the time, like I said, because I can talk about myself bad, y'all don't get mad. <laughs> I was involved for years in corporate jobs, and I even established several different businesses of my own. And praise God, he was so nice. He honored my heart. Most of the time, and most of the time, I did very well. Now, I have to say most of the time, I did very well. Because sometimes I missed it, and then I had to pay the cost for missing it, which is why I can tell you so unequivocally you don't want to do that. I'm telling you from my own experience. Um, I was not called by God for any of those positions. I was self-appointing myself. Oh, there's this business? Oh, I think I would be great at that. I go start that. Oh, it's this? And it's really something, because there is one business that he gave me back in 19, I think it was like 1983. It was even before I was born again. And I missed it. I had come up with the idea of doing gift baskets where if you needed anything in particular, you called me up because I love to shop. I do, and I use the word love, and I kind of mean it. Because I really do enjoy shopping. I wanted to be that person you called, and I would come up, and I mean, it could be a gift basket for $10. It could be a gift basket for $10,000. I will fulfill your order. He showed it to me, and I didn't do anything with it. And sometimes God will give you ideas and you just sit on it. And then you find out, oh, somebody else went and took your idea. Now you can get gift baskets everywhere like that. But the point was, when he gave that idea to me, they weren't, they weren't like that. But I didn't move on that. So, okay, I missed God when it came to that. But I was 28 years old. Wow, that seems like a while ago. <laughs> when God actually told me in an audible voice, the only time he has ever spoken to me in an audible voice, I was in my kitchen, and he made it crystal. I mean, it's God. When he talks to you, you hear him, and you know it is him. Um, but the funny thing is that I was really a, I was a baby Christian at that time. And, oh, wow, I'm really cutting this short, but if I go over time, you'll let me. I was actually, I was born again on August 24th, 1984, at a crusade, which is why the crusades are so important to me and why, you know, Stan and I went. But the thing is, um, we, you know, we were baby Christians. We didn't know that much about the word, and we needed to know the word. Like, you just can't even come up with the right adjective how much we needed. And I, at that time, was a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, I'm going to get a job. And one of the things that I used to, and this is why, again, you can miss God. I was like, get me a New York Times paper on Sunday. Let me read it, 
okay? By Tuesday, I haven't got a job I, because I, I, notice I, I was looking at me and what I could do, but I was confident in that. Went and got my New York Times paper, put the kids out, sat down with my cup of tea, I was finding a job. Went over to the kitchen sink for some reason, and at the time, I had a window there. And I used to always like to look out the window, you know, you see the scenery. And God so clearly said to me, if you spend as much time in the Word and with me as you would on a part-time job, I will give you more than you can ever imagine. Well, meanwhile, that, <laughs> I mean, I could barely even talk for the rest of the day. But listen to where I missed it. Even with God speaking to me in an audible voice, and there's nothing like that. You will never forget that. I allowed the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions of my own inadequacies to enter into the picture. Because I kept thinking, if I sat in my mind and I just sat and read the Bible 24-7, had tapes on for you know, reading it to me, everything, what could I do? I allowed myself to get in the way of what he had for me. So I'm going to pause there. I'll pick it up next week. But here's the thing that I want to leave you with as you start in thinking about what God may have called you to do. Don't make that mistake that I made. Because just like we're going to continue to see how God used 12 ordinary men and changed the whole entire course of history. And I already know what he's done when it comes to this vessel of clay. My point is, he has something special for each and every one of you. Don't talk yourself out of whatever it is he's calling you to do. Instead, listen and just do as those 12 ordinary men did. Leave the rest of that stuff behind you and go on with whatever he's called you to do. And I promise you one thing, you will never regret it. You will never, ever, ever regret it. And he will give you more than you could ever imagine. Praise God. Praise God. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.